Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash malicious compliance. Our next Reddit post is from Shagriel. The cinema I worked at had a rule that prohibited outside food and drinks in the theater. This was to boost sales of the food and drinks sold in the cinema. We, the workers, would usually let people in anyway if they bought snacks and whatnot, as the snacks and drinks inside were ridiculously priced and the manager was cool as well. The only time this rule was actually strictly enforced was when the general manager made his rounds fortnightly. In this case, there was a storeroom where we would keep the customer stuff and give it back when they left. This one time, a guy around his late teens comes in with his kid brother and a 2 liter bottle of coke in his hand. The general manager was unfortunately there that day and was staring right at me, so I had to ask the guys to leave it behind. They said okay. Cue malicious compliance. The rules stated that outside food and drinks couldn't be taken into the theater where the movie played, but it didn't say anything about the facility itself. The dude comes out with his brother in 15 minutes and asks for the drink. I take it out, they each take a sip, I give it back, and they go back inside. They did this every 10 to 15 minutes and disturbed the other patrons and interrupted my work. I was happy to comply. And after they did this about 4 to 5 times, the GM told me to just give them the bottle when they came out next, and I did. Honestly, one of my favorite moments from working there. Our next Reddit post is from a string of numbers. As a designer, I try to educate my clients on design and why something has to be done a certain way. My agency is not cheap, so we make it quite clear that they're paying for our knowledge and experience, not some Photoshop monkey. Most of the time, my clients are appreciative and enjoy the extra guidance and professional advice. Occasionally, we get fun jobs. The sales pitch went well enough, and the business owner, Bob, seemed like a decent guy and happy to trust our professional expertise. However, shortly after signing the deal, he brought on a new manager, Karen, who was put in charge of marketing, including the new website we were just contracted to do. It quickly became clear that Karen thought of herself as a multidisciplinary genius and despises us because she thinks she can do better than a professional design agency. Karen loves sending over incomprehensible design instructions and feedback in the form of design mockups that she creates in PowerPoint. They're as ugly as the devil's butthole after a strong curry, but we try our best to translate the abomination she birthed into good-looking professional design proposals that best reflects the intent of her ideas. Karen didn't like that one bit. Karen was rude, uncooperative, and removed Bob from the email threads when we tried to reach out to him to get his opinion. When we sent over a design, she would complain about how it wasn't exactly what she wanted and scream over the phone while our team patiently explained why we couldn't design exactly what she wanted. Mainly, it would be super ugly and nobody would want to do business with them with a website like that. The last time Karen complained about how we were stupid morons for not doing what she wanted, we got her on the phone with Bob. She was screaming incomprehensibly and nobody got a word in. Finally, Bob took her side and said, Karen is extremely experienced and knows what she's doing. I want your team to follow every instruction exactly as she asks. No problem. Once again, Karen sent over a ridiculous 70 megabyte PowerPoint. If we followed it exactly, it would look like a website from the 90s with the worst user experience ever. We went through every little pixel of her PowerPoint asking her, so you want us to copy this exactly? To which she would reply with a smug, yes. So we documented her instructions down to the letter to cover our butts. And once again, we asked Bob, are you sure? 
Yes, please hurry up and make those changes exactly as she asked. Okie dokie. We copied every ugly font choice, every terrible gradient, every hideous element into the design. We even went the extra mile to export the ugly lopsided shape she drew as PNG graphics, so it would all be exactly as she wanted. Then we sent the design over. Here's the design. We have done everything exactly as instructed. Karen once again replied, taking Bob out of the loop. Perfect. Now, it wasn't so hard to do things exactly as I asked, was it, winky face? We waited. Bob exploded, demanding a meeting the very next day to explain why we were delivering such shoddy work. We go to the meeting, and Karen starts demanding that we propose a completely new design. We presented all the past designs, the document in which Karen confirmed that she wanted all the changes, the countless emails in which we painstakingly explained to her why her ideas suck, and finally, the last email in which she praised us. You see, Bob, after our last call with you, we had followed Karen's instructions to the letter, exactly as she asked. She seemed very happy with it. I'm confused. Why the quick change of hearts? I then pull out the contract and calmly point out the portion which stated the number of design proposals we would create. Karen had used up all of it. I had reminded her that she was limited to X number of proposals, but she clearly didn't remember any of it because she didn't bother reading our emails and would keep talking or yelling over us when she spoke on the phone. I looked Bob in the eye and told him he could either pay extra for each additional new proposal Karen wants or choose from the existing designs done. They ask for some time to discuss privately. We break for coffee. Well, Karen is extremely experienced in this field. We'll go with the last design since it's exactly as she wanted. Even my intern couldn't hold back his surprise. As we drive back to the office, he asks, Is Karen sleeping with Bob or something? Why does she have him by the balls like that? I shrug. It's his business and we're getting paid anyway. And he clearly doesn't appreciate our design expertise after all. The less time we spend arguing with them, the more time we could use to focus on my appreciative good clients. We make Bob and Karen sign off on the design and finish up the project quickly. Karen still tries to be difficult, but we stick to the contracted terms and she couldn't do anything. Two months after the project ended, I get a call from Bob. He began with some small talk about innocuous project-related business, but I realized it wasn't the purpose of the call. Karen had been fired after making more serious mistakes, causing major losses to his company. He sounded contrite, but didn't offer any real apology. That's terrible, Bob. I'm so shocked. I thought Karen was extremely experienced and knew what she was doing. If you ask me, I think the intern hit the nail on the head. Either Bob was a complete and total idiot, or he was having an affair with Karen. No wonder she got that promotion. Our next Reddit post is from Wraith. I was a shy, quiet 15-year-old when I first started working at a certain fast food restaurant in my small town. Then I encountered the general public. Many of the Morning Rush customers were super kind regulars who I got to know and liked. But then there was Penny Guy. Penny Guy was not a regular. He placed his order with no initial sign of anything out of the ordinary. His change came to 29 cents. No pennies, he said gruffly. You don't want your pennies, sir? I confirmed. This wasn't unusual. We had a charity donation box right by the cash register where customers often left unwanted change or had us deposit it. Don't give me any damn pennies! The guy was glowering at me now. 
Of course, sir. I handed him his quarter. I dropped the pennies in the charity box. And then he exploded. What the F is this? Effing quarter? I want 30 cents. How effing hard is it to round the hell up? I was caught off guard. I'm sorry, sir, but I can't give back extra change. We donate what customers don't want, and it all goes to charity. I apologize for the confusion. My drawer had to be correct at the end of the day, so this was absolutely true. Well, that was not alright. He went on a very loud tirade about how cheap our restaurant was and how ridiculous it was to round down. He called me a cheap B-word. Then, he demanded his pennies back. You won't rip me off like this! Give me my 29 effing cents! At this point, I could have given him a nickel from the drawer and replaced it from my own pocket. If he had spoken to me like I was a person and not a corporate punching bag, I would gladly have done so, but that's not what he was asking me to do. I put on my sweetest smile. Only the store manager has the keys to the donation box. Give me just a minute and I'll go get her. At this point, one of the regulars behind Penny Guy speaks up. Don't make her do that. Here's your pennies. He offers Penny Guy some pennies from his own pocket. Penny Guy's face flushes and he mumbled about it being the principal of the thing. My coworker was managing the line, so I decided that this man was going to get his pennies. It took a minute to explain what was happening to the manager. She laughed and said she'd be there in a second. It took her a suspiciously long minute to retrieve the key and get to the front. Meanwhile, Penny Guy mumbled and glowered and for some reason stuck around for those four pennies. It was principal, apparently, and it meant he waited a good ten minutes while his to-go bag cooled on a counter. Every now and then when a new customer came to the till, I'd look over at Penny Guy and assure him, Don't worry, sir. The manager will be here shortly to return your four pennies from the donation box. <laughs> this earned him a few looks while he waited. When my manager finally came to the front, we opened the donation box while the busy store watched. We counted out four pennies and handed them back over to the now very red-faced and much quieter man. I'm so sorry for the confusion, I told him. Here's the rest of your change. He took the pennies and left, still mumbling about what a rip-off the whole thing was. On the brighter side, a larger-than-normal percentage of customers decided to donate their change to the charity after watching his tirade. I took some pleasure in the thought that, even at minimum wage, my time was worth more than 24 cents an hour. Down in the comments, I'm going to read this post from CCPOC. When he tried to round it up, you should have said, I'm sorry, sir, but you're not making any sense. Our next Reddit post is from Hooked on Phone. When I was in high school, I had the typical minimum wage cashier's job. It was store policy to ask for a legal government ID when a customer purchased cigarettes or alcohol. We had to ID every customer who looked like they could be under 35. If you didn't and they turned out to be underage, you could be fired or arrested if you were caught by a regulatory agency. There was no way in hell that 16-year-old me was going to risk getting fired or arrested for a sucky minimum wage job. So I ID'd everybody. Now, 99% of the time, the person reacted amicably, handed over the ID, and went on their way. But on occasion, I would end up with some Karen or Chad who had left their ID in the car and wanted me to proceed without the ID check. One particularly Karen-y Karen, who looked to be in her late 40s, would come in to buy cigarettes and never had ID. So I refused to sell her cigarettes, she'd pitch a fit and storm out. After doing this three or four times, I guess she had enough and complained to my manager. I had to go on a break at that point, so I didn't have a chance to actually look at her ID that time either. 
The following week, Karen returned and once again tried to buy her cigarettes without ID. As usual, I requested a driver's license and the usual circus ensued. The manager asked me afterwards why I still asked for an ID after he had completed her purchase himself the last time. I pointed out that I had yet to actually see the ID myself. Therefore, as per company policy, I couldn't assume that he had done his job and confirmed her ID. I had to keep asking until I confirmed her age myself. She continued to come to the store and throw the same tantrum for a few months before I moved away. I never saw her ID, and I refused to sell her cigarettes for a solid six months. Our next Reddit post is from Spoohaha. I used to work at a very fancy club. Think of a two-story ballroom nightclub. My job was to be the door girl where I stood next to security and decided if people could come in or not, whereas the security takes care of checking IDs and if the person is too drunk. A guy came up in line and security checked their IDs and such and the guy passed. One of my rules was that I had to send away any guy not wearing a collared shirt and this guy was wearing a normal t-shirt. I told him so and he left with his mates. The next minute he's back in line with two napkins from a club across the road tucked into the neck of his shirt to look like a collar. I couldn't turn away a guy with a collar and as damn brilliant as that. So I have a semi-related story. Back in the early days of my YouTube career, I was kind of online friends with this other YouTuber. I attended a gaming convention, and I found out that my YouTube buddy was there, except that he had been invited to an exclusive invite-only creator party. So to get an invite to the party, you had to be like a YouTuber or a Twitch streamer or something like that. I didn't have an invite, but my buddy told me where the party was, so I showed up, and the door lady was like, you're not on the list. I was like, yeah, I know that I'm not on the list, but I'm a YouTuber. Here, look. And she was a little skeptical, but after looking through my channel, she was like, okay, yeah, I'll let you through. In that moment, that was the coolest I'd ever felt in my entire life. I showed up to a party where I didn't have an invite, and I basically pulled the, um, excuse me, do you know who I am line, and the lady let me in. Our next Reddit post is from Pastel Parrot. During my freshman year of high school, I had a world geography class with a couple of friends, and therefore I was pretty vocal. Maybe more than I should have, I admit. It was about halfway through the school year when my teacher got on my case about talking too much and told me that if I said another word that I would be sent to the principal's office. Now, I was in a class with all of my friends and some girls I liked, so naturally I wanted to show off. So I didn't say a single word for the rest of the class. After the class, everyone thought it was somewhat funny, so I didn't say anything the next class. Then, I got the idea that I wouldn't say a word in that class for the rest of the year. This teacher was brand new with his first year teaching, so he didn't know how to handle such a thing. Every day, he would call attendance messing with me because I didn't say anything, or he would call on me for questions, but I didn't say a word. The teacher was a cool guy and never really got mad, but he never told anyone to not say another word. I had a notebook that I would write questions in and my grades never suffered. Looking back, I was being really immature, but it makes me laugh every time I think about it. That was our slash malicious compliance, and if you like this content, then be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit episodes every single day.